in and out of situations the tug of war at me all day long I struggle for answers that I need then I come into questions become clear and for that sacred moment no doubt can interfere in the presence of Jehovah
his presence today. Let his presence minister to you today. Let it heal your heart. It's in his presence. Let's all stand. Isn't it great to be in God's house today? Praise God. If this gets a little too loud, you can turn me down. Let's look at Matthew chapter 9. It's good to have everyone here. Uh, pray for those that are not feeling well. Sister Griselle called earlier today, and some of her kids have the flu, and Sister Marie Brown has the flu, and there's people that are uh, traveling. We've got some that are out of the country, and we have, we've got some here today that Sister Carla has come all the way from Arizona, a very sandy place. A very hot place. I don't think I could deal with the 130, 140 degree temperatures in the summer. I think I would probably die. And, uh, you know, there's just nothing like Connecticut. One day it's sunny and it's 40 degrees, and the next day it is cold and it's 20 degrees. And one day it's snowing, the next day it's ice. And then, of course, in the spring, you've got the nice green and the warm weather and the fishing season starts. You know, that's something to pray for and look forward to in summertime. And so the awesome thing about Connecticut is you've got variety. It's not just sunny and hot all the time, and it's not just cold and dark all the time. How many are grateful for that? How many love Connecticut? Well, all right. I understand some of you would maybe consider Florida or something like that, or maybe even Arizona if you really need the Holy Ghost. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Matthew chapter 9. Amen. Uh, this is a scripture. This is a message, actually, that the Lord gave me, uh, I think, uh, six or more weeks ago. And I felt like I was going to preach it that Sunday, and the Lord redirected me and told me it wasn't time. And so the Lord brought me back to this message for this Sunday, and uh, it was confirmed, I think it was yesterday or the day before, uh, yesterday I believe, Brother Brown had posted something uh, about one of the scriptures that I'll be using today, and uh, it was God's confirmation. So we're grateful that you're all here. Pray for those that are not feeling well. Pray, pray for those that are still traveling, uh, and we're looking forward to a great new year. Matthew chapter 9, starting at verse 9. And as Jesus passed forth from thence, he saw a man, a man named Matthew sitting at the receipt of custom, or at the tax table. And he said unto him, Follow me. And he arose and followed him. And it came to pass, as Jesus sat at meat in the house. Now, let me explain this. So, Jesus invited this man, saw him at the receipt of custom, or saw him, saw him at the tax table. And asked him to follow him. And verse 10, And it came to pass, as Jesus sat at meat in his house, so Jesus went to his house. Behold, many publicans and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. Look at verse 11. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto his disciples, Why eat your master with publicans and sinners? But when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, They that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. And from this portion of Scripture and from more Scriptures that I'll be reading in a little bit, 
I want to preach about the sin of thinking evil. The sin of thinking evil. I risk to be misunderstood today. Brother Brown's going to pray for us in just a moment. But we really need to prepare our hearts that God is going to touch us and get through to us what we need to hear. Uh, this is one of those messages that is for everybody. I'm not targeting anybody. I'm not thinking of anybody or any sins or anything that is going on. I just believe that God wants to talk to us. The Bible says, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. So I want us to be sensitive to what God is going to do. So let's pray today. Brother Brown is going to lead us. Let's pray that God would help us to receive this message as he has intended it. Brother Brown, if you pray. Lord Jesus, we come before you right now. We're thankful to be in your presence. And we came to hear your voice. And so right now, in the name of Jesus, I'm asking that you would silence every voice that is not your voice. Every voice that would speak anything contrary to your word, I command it to be silent in the name of Jesus. I take authority over every voice of doubt, every voice of confusion, every, every voice uh, that would try to uh, resist the word of God. I take authority over it in the name of Jesus and by the blood of Jesus. And I'm asking, Lord, that you would loose our ears to hear your voice today. You said that your sheep know your voice and they will not follow another because they hear you. Lord, let us hear what you have to say to us today you said that man does not live by bread alone but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God Lord if we live by your word we need to be able to hear your word and so I'm asking you would give us ears to hear what your spirit would say to the church today let my heart let our hearts be good soil for the seed of your word today and may it be guarded and may the the thief not come and devour it, Lord, when we leave this place. But let it not let it not fall on rocky soil or among the tares, but let it be good soil in this place today. Touch the man of God that he would speak exactly what you want us to hear and give us a heart and a mind to receive it and apply it. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much. Now, just to kind of again lay a little bit of a foundation uh, we really need to understand what's happening here. And uh, Matthew was a, a Jewish man. Thank you. Uh, he was a Jewish man, but he was also a tax collector. Now, the uh, area around the Holy Land, around Jerusalem, the Jewish lands were, were at that time occupied by the Romans. And so Matthew was a Jewish man that, in a sense, worked for the Roman government. And the Roman government was occupying the land and, of course, charging exorbitant taxes and extorting money out of the people. And, and so Matthew, a Jewish man, was looked as, as a traitor, looked at as a traitor. He was a traitor to the Jewish nation because he was working for the Roman occupiers and collecting taxes and extorting money. So to them, he was a traitor, but he was still a Jewish man. Jesus walked by his tax table and asked him if he could go home with him. And so Jesus went home with Matthew, and that's where we see in Matthew chapter 9, verses 11 and 12, it says, And when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto his disciples, Now, I, I, I've got several points that I need to drive home. The first thing is we need to remember that Pharisees looked down on Jewish people who would 
have fellowship with sinners. All right? We see that in the Scriptures. We see it here. When the Pharisees saw it, they said unto the disciples, Why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? The very next verse, verse 12, says, But when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, They that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. The first thing we need to understand here is that it is very unlikely that these Pharisees were sitting at dinner with everybody else. I want you to get that point because you really may not get anything else if you don't get that. It's likely that they were on the outside looking in. They were not just right there. They were probably at least several feet away, maybe even further than that. But when they saw that Jesus was eating with publicans and sinners, they asked the disciples. Maybe the disciples were walking by. Maybe they were bringing in some more hamburgers or something. And they were coming in, and they said to the disciples, Why does your master eat with publicans and sinners? And that's where we see verse 12. When Jesus heard that. Now, I'm not convinced that Jesus actually was close enough to hear that but that he knew what they were saying. And I'm going to try to drive that point home in just a minute. Pharisees prided themselves with not associating with sinners. So it's likely, as I said a moment ago, that they were on the outside looking into the party when the disciples walked by and they asked them, why does your master eat with publicans and sinners? So when it says that Jesus heard them, I believe that Jesus stood up and spoke directly to them and said, They that be whole, they do not need a physician, but those that are sick, they need a physician. I want you to understand something today. Pharisees don't seek to understand. They don't seek to understand. They would not go directly to Jesus privately to ask or to understand. They went to others creating doubt and accusation when the person can't defend themselves, and that's the attitude of a Pharisee. But Jesus, the Bible said, know or knew their thoughts. And I want to prove my point. Several times in the Word of God, we see Jesus perceived people's thoughts. Matthew 22, verses 18 and 19, it says, But Jesus perceived their wickedness and said, Why tempt ye me, ye hypocrites? Show me the tribute money and they brought unto him a penny. In Mark chapter 2, verses 6 through 8, it says, But when a certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, why doth this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within, with among, or within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your hearts? Now, even Jesus' own disciples had a problem with judging things in their hearts. We see in Mark chapter 14, verses 3 through 6, And behold, in Bethany, the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment, spiked her very precious. And she broke, or she broke the box and poured it on his head. Notice verse 4. And there were some that had indignation within themselves. 
Notice that phrase. That they had, or they were angry. They they were angry or had indignation within themselves. He said, Why uh, and said, Why was this waste of ointment made? For it might have uh, been sold for more than 300 pence and have been given to the poor. And they murmured against her. Jesus said, Let her alone. Why troublest uh, ye her? She hath wrought a good work. So we see a couple points here when we look at the Scriptures that they had indignation within themselves and Jesus knew their attitudes. He knew what was going on in their brain. He knew what they were thinking. And he said, why trouble you the woman? And why are you murmuring against her? And then this is a lengthy Scripture, but let me read it. In Luke chapter 7, starting at 36, One of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. (coughs) Verse 37. And behold, a woman of the city, which was was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box and stood at his feet behind, weeping, and began to wash his feet with her tears and wipe them with the hairs of her head. And kissed his feet and anointed them, anointed them with ointment. Now notice the next verse. Now when the Pharisee which had bidden him or asked him to come to his house saw, saw what was going on, he spake within himself. He didn't speak out loud. It says he spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him. And she is a sinner. I want to drive this point home for a minute. Here she comes. First of all, Jesus is going to this man's house. He sat down to dinner. And a sinner woman, very likely a prostitute, came in and had an alabaster box. And she broke it and poured it upon him. And she began to worship him. She began to wipe his feet with her tears and with her hair, the Bible says. And here's the Pharisee. I could almost see him at the end of this long, glorious table, all filled with food and big banquet table with all kinds of chairs and guests. And I can see in my mind's eye, I can see him sitting there at the end of the table, kind of putting his proverbial hands on his hips and saying, if this were really a man of God, if this really were a prophet, then he would know who this woman is and he would not let her touch him. Do you understand the spirit that I'm trying to get across to you today? And then in verse 40, And Jesus answered and said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he said, Master, say on. Verse 41, There was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owned 500 pence, the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him the most? Simon answered and said, I suppose he to whom he forgave most. He said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. Jesus told him, You have judged rightly. And he turned to the woman and said, Simon, seest thou this woman? Now understand, he is talking about this woman that he just judged. The Pharisee just judged her. The Pharisee, in fact, condemned Jesus in his mind because of allowing this woman, this sinner woman, to touch him. And Jesus said, Simon, 
Seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house. Thou gavest me no water for my feet. But she hast washed my feet with, the, with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou givest me no kiss, but this woman, since the time I came in, hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman anointed my head with ointment. Verse 47, Wherefore I say unto thee, Her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she hath loved much, but to whom uh, little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he said unto her, Thy sins are forgiven. Now notice the next verse, 49. And they that sat at meat with, with him began to say within themselves, Who is this that forgiveth sins also? There's a whole lot of judging going on here. And there's a whole lot of judging going on in their hearts and in their minds. This first, the Pharisee is saying, if he really were a man of God, if he really were a prophet, if he really were, if he really is what he says he is, then he would know who this lady is, that she's a prostitute, and she shouldn't be touching him, or, or she, he shouldn't let her touch him. And, and so there's that judging going on, and then uh, he forgives her sins. He said, I forgive your sins. Your sins are forgiven. And then the next thought that people are saying, those that are sitting there at the same banquet, having the same meal, putting their hands on their proverbial hips again and saying, who is he that can forgive sins? And he said to the woman, thy faith has saved thee, go in peace. And he said to the woman, thy faith has saved thee, go in peace. I'm so thankful for that verse. Now, when we look at this, in fact, let me go to uh, Luke chapter 5 verse 22 for a minute. It says, but when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered and said unto them, why reason ye in their hearts? So I, I believe I proved my point to the point of this, uh, that Jesus knew what people were thinking, and he challenged their reasoning. It's not bad to think. In fact, it's good. We ought to think. But thinking with judgment as a motive is evil. I got one Amen. I didn't get any Baptist nods. I just got one amen. Amen. So let me say it again. But thinking with judgment as a motive is evil. When we think and want to understand, it is not evil. Most of the time when the Pharisees didn't like what Jesus was doing, what did they do? They very rarely went to Jesus to challenge him. They went to the disciples. Or they begin to murmur amongst themselves. Or they begin to gossip. And they begin to say, who is this that can forgive sins? And he would, they would challenge the disciples. And why does your master eat with publicans and sinners? And so they would often go to the disciples and challenge them and not to the Lord. Now I want you to think of that. Think about this for a moment. Why does your master, they're questioning his moment, motives, they're questioning what he's doing. And they're saying things like if Jesus knew who was touching him. It's easy to think evil. We need to remember that Satan is the accuser of the brethren. Did you get that this morning? Satan is the accuser of the brethren. 
Now, I want to point something out to you in 1 Corinthians 13. And these are some of the scriptures I'm going to read. Actually, Brother Brown, I think, posted the first verse. I'm going to get into that in a little bit. But in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7, it says charity. By the way, when you look at that, the word charity could be also interpreted love. So love suffers long and is kind. Love envieth not. Love vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. Rejoice not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. So I want to say this, true love seeks to understand, not to accuse. I, I know you all ate a lot of food this week at Christmas and Thanksgiving leading up. Some of, some of you had to go on a diet between Thanksgiving and Christmas, and it didn't work so good, and you're here today, and you're kind of slow in thought because of all the food you've eaten in the last couple of days. But let me try to get your attention today. True love seeks, seeks to understand, not to accuse We've got to be careful of our thoughts. We've got to be careful of how we think about God and how we think about other people. You can see or believe something about someone that is totally misguided, just as the Pharisees said, uh, if he were really a prophet, he would not let that woman touch him. It can be birthed out of, a, out of a spirit that accuses but that does not seek to understand. If you see or think something is wrong, take it to God first and pray and seek and ask God for help to understand. And then after bathing it in prayer, go to the person directly, not through the disciples, not through someone else. Don't go with an accusing spirit. Go with a humble spirit seeking to help, not to hinder, and to say, I saw this. If you do right, it's most likely there is a good explanation or that you will be helped to understand that the person or what is going on in the individual's life. True love does not rejoice in iniquity in 1 Corinthians 3, 6. True love does not rejoice in iniquity. If you see somebody failing, if you see somebody falling, somebody stumbling, you don't rejoice over that. You take it to the Lord and say, God, that is my brother, that is my sister, that is my friend. I'm going to bring them before your throne because I want them to be saved just like I want to be saved. We should not get joy. We should not be puffed up when someone fails or makes a mistake. We pray and we seek to restore and to forgive, not to judge. And that's why when you look through the Word of God and you see the many times that Jesus had a really hard time with the Pharisees, it's because they were always judging. They were always condemning. They are always thinking in their mind if he would have or she would have or if he didn't do this or if he did do that. Amen. We really need to pray to make sure we're right with God. In Matthew 18, 15 through 16, 
Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go to him, tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he, if he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. This is a principle in the word of God that needs to be challenged to us or, 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 or put forth to us so we understand. If we see a brother or sister stumbling, if we see something going on that we may not understand, we don't go to this one and that one and that one and say, did you see, sister, so-and-so, did you see, brother, so-and-so? No, you don't do that. You go right to that brother, and you grab him by the, the, the shoulder if you have to and say, hey, let's come off to the side here. I want to understand. I see this, but I, 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 I just want you to help me to understand. Uh, I'm not here to condemn you. I'm here to love you. Uh, real love does not seek to condemn. It seeks to understand, and it seeks to help. Amen. And so, so the scripture shows, uh, actually verse uh, 16, I think we're out, right, 15. Let, let me read again, starting at verse 15. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go tell him in, in uh, his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. Verse 16. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee two or three more, and that the mouth of two or three witnesses let every word be established. What I'm trying to say is this, we should not allow ourselves uh, to get a pharisaical attitude. I got one amen, I think, on that. Jesus asked, wherefore think ye evil in your hearts? Now, we know this, the moms can typically, uh, I'm going to use this thought for a moment, but it kind of reads the thoughts of her child. Uh, mothers typically can know what's going on in their kids' heads. And often a wife can, can understand or know the thoughts of her husband and the husband of, of his wife. A friend often can guess and to, uh, un- try to understand what's going on in the thoughts of their friends. But our Lord has the divine power to understand people's thoughts and their hearts. In Matthew 15, 19, it says, For out of the heart proceedeth evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, theft, false new witness, blasphemies. In Mark 7, 21, it says, For from within, out of the heart of men, proceedeth evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, theft, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness. Sister Ellen, I'm sorry. An evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these things come from within and defile a man. The reason I said that is Sister Ellen's hands are probably cramping up by now. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, it says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, two-edged sword piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow. And notice this, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. You need to understand this. The devil may know your actions, but he doesn't know what you're thinking. Jesus knows what you're thinking. He knows your actions, but he also knows what you're thinking. So Jesus understands not only the thought, but also the tone and the character and the quality of the thought. Now in Matthew 9, it talked about here the Lord rebukes, going back to our opening scripture, here the Lord rebukes the spirit of the thought rather than the thought. 
He rebukes the suspicious temper which prefers to light upon the evil explanation rather than the good one and assumes that everyone must mean to do the bad thing. The apostle makes a simple point of charity that it doesn't think evil or it thinks no evil. The loving, trustful temper will ensure kind thoughts and suggest good moments or good motives whenever it's possible. Thinking evil is an act, and it is an act that Jesus rebukes. What would we do, or or what should we do when we think about taking matters into our own hands and the consequences thereof? We've got to be careful that wise judgment and godly judgment is always our approach. What Pharisees do is they think too quickly, and then they add judgment to it. Then they encourage evil in their thoughts and allow themselves to feel the pleasure of assuming bad motives. Their attitudes toward Jesus when he would go to uh, or or bring you know go to sinners' houses and have uh, and have dinner with them. Their 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 idea was he's supposed to be a man of God. He's supposed to be a prophet. He's supposed to be a preacher, and why is he going to a sinner's house? It's almost like their attitudes were saying, he didn't come to my house. Why is he going to their house? And they're trying to condemn him, and they're trying to condemn uh, his motives and everything else. Uh, But Jesus came to heal the sick. Amen? And so when judgment has to be made of persons or motives, it should not and never be made hurriedly. Because we often make judgments on what we see and not what is the reality. It's easy to think evil. The right thing is to think good. When you see somebody, you think something about what what might be going on in their life, uh, don't automatically condemn them and say, oh, if they would pray more, if they would fast more, if they would do this or if they would do that, uh, we want to somehow condemn them and what's going on in their life. Uh, But they could be going through hell on earth right now, and they don't need your condemnation. They need your prayer. They need your love. They need your support. Uh, They need you to put your arm around their shoulder and say, I'm with you and I'm for you you thinking evil becomes a habit and we become like pharisees walking around judging this one and judging that one while we put ourselves up on a pedestal and we condemn them to the altar when we ought to really be at the altar instead of condemning somebody and saying, oh, I wish they would do this or I wish they would do that. Uh, We ought to go before the throne of grace and the throne of mercy and we ought to talk to the Lord. You see, suspicion becomes a mood of mind. uh, And and when we begin to fix our habits and our ideas on that, uh, then no man's character is is safe. Uh, It doesn't matter who it is. Uh, We begin condemning anybody and everybody. We think, Think of how can we fix this, uh, amen. But what we ought to be saying is, God, uh, I want to treat that person with love. Uh, if I were, if I were to fall, uh, how would I want somebody to treat me? If I were to fail, how would I want so- would want somebody to look at me? The apostle makes a special point about charity and love that it thinketh no evil. So let me get back to this point. I'm going to use Brother Cain here for just a moment. If he would jump over onto the drum set. 
In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1, it says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and have not charity or love, I am become a, as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Now, Brother Cain, can you just hit that crash cymbal for just a moment? Just keep hitting it. He says, and I'm going to read it again. Keep, keep doing that for just a moment. It says, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I, I am become as a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. Hold on just a minute. And what is it saying? I'm going to try to explain that in just a moment, but let me go to the next verse. It says, and though I have the gift of prophecy and understanding of all mysteries and have all knowledge, and though I have all faith that I should remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. Let me go back for just a moment to the first verse. Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels and have not charity, I am become as a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. The idea here and Paul's application of that is eloquent, eloquent speeches of men that, uh, that are mere like clanging cymbals. In the Corinthian church, in the, in the city of Corinth, they prided themselves in eloquent speeches. And what Jesus is saying is just like a clanging cymbal. They're, they're putting up these, go ahead and hit that symbol again. They're putting out these eloquent speeches. They're, they're saying these eloquent words. Uh, but to me, it's just like somebody hammering on a symbol. That's all it is. Uh, somebody that's trying to claim something or proclaim something. Uh, and all it is is like uh, a, a clanging symbol. But then, uh, in fact, and there's an electrifying effect to it in a sense. Uh, you hear that symbol. You hear that crashing. But it goes away. And it really occurs accomplishes nothing. Let me ask you a question. How many of you want to listen to that all day? You turn on, turn on your radio in your car or you put your earbuds in your ears and play some music through your, through your phone and all you're hearing is clang, 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 clang. Would you want to, you know, would you want to play that all day? All you young people that have earbuds ear or whatever those things are, AirPods, I'm sorry. You see how old I am. And, and, and all you're hearing is that clanging, clanging. Would you listen to that? You wouldn't. Why? Because it makes no sense. What Jesus was saying. I, I'm, so what the Word of God is saying, I'm sorry, what the Word of God is saying in 1 Corinthians, what the man of God is saying. Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, we often attribute that to actually speaking in tongues, but that's probably not what it's talking about. It's talking about these eloquent speeches. Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels and have not love, I am become as a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. Now, Brother Cain, let's make some senseful music. Amen. With the cymbals and the drums and everything. Now, I can listen to that. Isn't that pretty cool?
Thank you, Brother King. Now that makes sense, doesn't it? The clanging of a cymbal, bang, 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 bang. That doesn't make any sense. We're, we're good, Brother Cain. Thank you. And so what he was saying is, you can come out with these eloquent speeches, but if you do, without, do it without love, it's like somebody banging on a cymbal. That's all it is. It's momentarily electrifying but it's like a clanging or a gonging symbol. Love, on the other hand, produces eternal effects. At the conclusion of the preceding chapter, the apostle promised to show the Corinthians a more excellent way than that which they had been producing. They were so distracted by contentious divisions, divided parties, uh, and the people that envied each other and their gifts, uh, that that, 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 their their united spirit was destroyed. People were saying, well, I'm the follower of this one. Or people would say, well, I I have the gift of healing. And somebody else would say, well, I've got the gift of tongues. And I've got the gift of interpretation of tongues. And there were these groups of people that were just chewing and eating on each other and saying, my gift is better than your gift. and My walk with God is better than your walk with God. And there were all of these contentions going on uh, and these great elaborate speeches. uh, And the man of God was saying, it's nothing more than somebody banging on a cymbal it's making no sense at all and they were so distracted by everything that was going on that there was nothing great happening in the kingdom of God it was like a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal then verse 2 it says and though notice the continuance of this and though I have the gift of prophecy and understanding of all ministries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not love, I am nothing. The man of God is saying, you could understand mysteries. You could know all. You could know people's thoughts. You could pray that a mountain would be removed. But if you don't do it with love, you are nothing. Amen. Even if I have spiritual gifts and understand mysteries, things that have great knowledge and have faith, but that I yet do not love, I do not have real influence. The next verse, verse 3 says, And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. You know, when you look at this at face value, it's hard to understand, but let me try to reveal a little bit to you. What he was saying is, uh, even if I give to the poor or I give myself to slavery, when it talks about there, if I give my body to be burned, uh, what he's talking about is uh, if, if you, if you pl- replace somebody else in slavery. In other words, uh, you turn yourself into become a slave uh, and they burn on you the mark of a slave. Uh, even though I am burned, uh, amen, but if you don't do it with charity, it is not profitable. Verse 4, charity or love suffers long. Charity is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself is not puffed up. What he's saying is love, love is patient. Love is kind. How many are grateful when somebody is patient with you? Love is kind. It's not envious. 
when somebody else is blessed, you don't sit back and say, well, bless God, I deserve it more than they do. Somebody gets a $20,000 raise and we sit back and say, I've been praying for that raise my whole life uh, and they're not as worthy as I am. Love is patient, love is kindness, not envious. Someone who is blessed doesn't boast and love doesn't edify oneself. It is not prideful. Verse 5, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. What it's saying is love doesn't behave badly. Love doesn't think evil of other people. Verse 6, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Real love doesn't rejoice when someone sins or fails, but it rejoices when someone accepts the truth and loves and walks with God. Verse 7, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Real love considers or conceals a matter, the Bible says. If someone has fallen, you don't bring it out. If somebody makes a mistake, you don't broadcast it. You conceal the matter. You do your best to restore the person. The Bible says those who are spiritual, if you are spiritual, you restore such an one. You don't condemn them to their failure. Real love believes that when someone fails, they're going to get back up again. When somebody stumbles, they're not going to stay down. But you're going to grab their hand and pick them up and say, You are my brother, and I will see you successful in your walk with God. Somebody say, Praise the Lord. The next verse, verse 8, says, Charity never faileth, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. What this all is saying is this. Uh, love believes in the good in people. Love looks in the best oh, and or the best of others. Uh, and by the way, love never quits. You don't quit on somebody. Would you want somebody to quit on you? Would you want somebody to give up on you? And I'm preaching to somebody today. You may have been hurt. You might have been discouraged, and maybe that's you right now. But don't let your heart be condemned with retribution or consumed with retribution. Assume the best in people. What you don't understand, you seek to understand or help or to know more, not with a condemning spirit, but with a humble spirit that loves somebody. True love, real love, does not think evil. I think I need to say it again. True love, real love does not think evil. Let me go a step further. Even if or when someone hurts you, you seek to have a heart that is quick to forgive and to seek restoration. You were not designed to carry unforgiveness. Somebody hear that today. You are not designed to carry unforgiveness. In Luke chapter 6, verse 46, it says, And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? So let's ask God to help us not to have a critical spirit. 
let's always assume the best in people and ask to understand uh, in a right and a godly way and in a godly spirit. Uh, amen. When we do that, we will learn and follow the word of God the way it is intended. And in a moment, I'm going to close. But in Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, it says, And God saw that it was, that, saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. When we look back at the book of Genesis uh, and we see when God destroyed the earth by flood, uh, it's because their thoughts were evil continually. I'm here to challenge somebody today. We should not be thinking evil. We should be thinking godly thoughts and righteous and holy and forgiving and loving thoughts. Uh, amen. God destroyed the earth uh, because their thoughts were evil. The sin of thinking evil Evil is a sin that will destroy you. No matter how solid your walk with God is today, if all you're doing is walking around with a pharisaical attitude and a condemning spirit, it's going to eat away like acid from a battery eating away at metal. It's going to eat you alive sooner or later. It's just going to eat through your flesh. It's going to eat through the flesh of your heart and your mind. What we've got to do, in fact, what I really believe in this coming year, one of the things we ought to do more than anything, else and say God touch my heart touch my mind help me to love people like you love them help me to be concerned about people like you are concerned about them I don't want to condemn I don't want to judge I don't want to put down I want to lift up I like that saying that says but for the grace of God so go I it's by God's grace that I stand before you today. It's by God's grace and mercy that I can preach the word of God. Not because I've earned it, I have not. Amen. But God is gracious and righteous. Amen. And I just believe that God is going to do awesome things. And when we can be the church that loves everybody, when we can be the church that doesn't condemn and doesn't put down, but lifts up and seeks to understand when we can love people the way that Jesus loves them. That's when revival is going to happen in New Britain. That's when this building is going to be filled to overflowing. Is when we can love people and teach them and train them and instruct them in the ways of God, but do it in a way that loves them. I remember somebody that had fallen years ago and that had walked away from the Lord. And I, I believe this person was out of church for about three years, maybe four. They had walked away from God. We had tried several times to reach out to them and let them know. When I would see them in the store, I would say, hey, praise the Lord. It's good to see you. I, I really want to see you back in church. They had just really walked away from God. And I, they never explained what happened, but uh, uh, something happened in their personal life. And, and, and they, they just felt like God was not there for them. They didn't go into all the detail. And, and one day I saw that person walk through those doors and come into the sanctuary. And I was so grateful. I didn't go back there and, and, and look at them and say, why are you here? 
I went back and said, it's so good to see you this morning. And the message went forth in the worship. Next thing I know, I saw that person in the altar crying out to God, pouring his heart out to the Lord, pouring his heart out to God. And I put my arms around his shoulders, and I cried, and I wept, and I poured out love. And I said, brother, I don't care what you've done. I'm glad you're here today. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're here. I took them out to lunch, and we had a great time of fellowship, and they kept coming to church, and God was doing a great work in their lives. And, and I believe it was about a month, month and a half later, we were sitting at Wendy's, if I remember the restaurant correctly, after church, and, and the man spoke to me and said, if you didn't treat me with love that morning, I would never have come back. I want to treat people with love. Could you stand with me today? My message was the sin of thinking evil. We have got to be careful how we think and what we think. We need to bathe our thoughts with the Holy Ghost. We need to bathe our thoughts with the Word of God. And we need to sanctify our minds. Our prayer ought to be in coming weeks, Lord, help us to have a right attitude. Help me to have a right spirit. Help me to not automatically attribute evil to someone. Help me not to walk walk around with a condemning spirit if somebody hurt me or somebody didn't shake my hand or somebody didn't say anything or maybe they even said the wrong thing or the wrong word. Can we attribute good attitudes and spirits and say, well, maybe they just had a bad day or maybe I heard it wrong. I'm not going to condemn them because when I condemn them, I condemn myself. God, help me to have pure thoughts, not to have evil thoughts touch my mind and my heart and my spirit. In a moment, I'm going to ask Brother Brown to come and close out our service. But is there anybody here that feels that maybe you just need to take something before the throne of grace? Maybe you've been thinking evil. Somebody said something and now you're angry. Or somebody didn't do something that they were supposed to do and now you're upset. You're not hurting them, you're hurting yourself. God, I want my heart and my mind to be right with you. I don't want to think evil. I want to think the best in someone. I want to be the encourager, not the condemner. I want to be the one that lifts up, not the one that discourages. I want to be the one that prays, not the one that gossips. I want to be the one that loves, not the one that hates. Is there anybody that feels like you need to talk to the Lord this morning? These altars are open. God, help us to not commit the sin of thinking evil. Help us to keep our minds and our hearts right and our spirits right. God, for you to move freely and abundantly in our services has got to be to the love and mercy of God, and we need to be loving and merciful people. 
So would you touch us today? Would you cleanse us and make us white and pure, clean and holy? Saints, would you pray with me? Lord, in Jesus' name, God, touch my mind. Touch my spirit. Touch my heart. Help me not to think evil. Help me not to think ungodly thoughts. Help me to love everyone and not to condemn. Help me to have a spirit of mercy and not condemnation. But for the grace of God, so go I. Lord, in Jesus' name, minister to us. Minister to our hearts. Elijah with the Brown is coming. Sister Melanie is going to lead us in singing. If you feel, feel like you need to come and pray, why don't you do that? The altars are open. If you feel like maybe you want to pray with somebody, that's, that's acceptable as well. Forgive us, Lord, if there be anything in our hearts, God. 
evil thoughts that we've been harboring in our hearts, Lord. Hateful thoughts, Lord. Discrediting thoughts, Lord. Forgive us if we've said some things that we shouldn't have said or thought some things about our brothers and sisters that we shouldn't have thought, Lord. If we saw something but we and we just automatically got a thought in our mind but we never sought understanding, Lord, forgive me of that. Give me the courage to go to that brother or that sister and get an understanding of what's going on. Then use me as a vessel, Lord, to be able to bring restoration and healing to to my brother or my sister. Uh, Unite us, Lord. Bind us together with your love, Lord. Lord, let the words of our mouth of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength, our Redeemer. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let your love, let your love be the principal thing, God. Now abide in these three, faith, hope, and love. But of all, even of those three, the greatest is love. I've got resentment in my heart, Lord. Purge me of it. If I've got jealousy or envy in my heart, purge me of it. Let it be your love that replaces it, God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I've had evil thoughts of thinking that I was better than somebody else. Let love come into my heart and wash that out, Lord. Let me have a humble spirit, Lord. Knowing that died for everybody else the same way that you died for me. I'm not better than anybody else, Lord. That I'm just a receptor of your grace as well as everybody else. (laughs) That I need your grace as well as anyone, as much as anybody else. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. love you, Lord, because you first loved us. You loved us so much that you laid down your life. Your word says that we're supposed to love others and prefer our brothers over ourselves. So, Lord, if we've got selfishness in our heart, remove it and replace it with love so that I can prefer my brother so that I can look to meet my brother's needs and my sister's needs even above my own so that I can look to promote my brother's ministry and gifts and talents more than my own God because when it comes right down to it we just want to be like you Jesus we just want to be like you hallelujah thank you Jesus brother Milton's going to come close out the service. Man. Continue searching your heart. Let this 
Let this message be one that you don't forget when you walk out the doors. Amen. God bless you. Glory to Dios. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Let's give a great hand to the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We love you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for your word, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. We have heard the Lord talk to us this morning. It's up to you to take this word and put it in our hearts. Amen. Glory a Dios. Glory to God. To the Spanish people. Uh, esta tarde tenemos nuestro servicio a las tres de la tarde. Los esperamos. Va a ser un gran servicio en el nombre del Señor Jesús. Amen. And we are all dismissed in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.